And I just pray right now, Lord, that your presence just continue to dwell here, that our hearts and minds will be open to receive of your word. So we'll be transformed more into your image. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to open up to uh, Matthew 26 today. We're going to begin there. <clears throat> and so, <clears throat> especially for the guests, we've been on a journey <clears throat> of taking a look at the Gospels through the lens of the times and life of Jesus, trying to look into a little bit more of the cultural aspect of what uh, was going on at the time in the first century. It's a big thing on my heart. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I, I lived in Israel going to school for about three years. So when I was living there and studying there, a lot of the nuances of the gospel that were never taught to me became alive and I could see it and I was like, wow, this is what's really going on. And so that was in part of what <clears throat> we were doing here. And so now uh, what we're, we're looking into is, is the notion of the Son of Man and really what that means in this Hebraic context. And so we take a look at Matthew uh, 26. <clears throat> Verse 63 will begin. This is when uh, Jesus is going to face the Sanhedrin. They're the, the, the Jewish legal courts of the land of Judea. They hear the accusations that's being said about Jesus, and now they're bringing them in. And now they're going to question him. <clears throat> so uh, verse 63, it says, But Jesus kept silent, and the high priest answered and said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, It is as you said. It's right there. He's declaring that he is the Messiah, the Christ. He's also declaring that he is the Son of God. And that's like, whoa! Like that, that's enough right there. So let's stop now, right? But he doesn't stop. In fact, it's not that he just doesn't stop. He's like, I'm going to go out of my way now to give you more information. And it's this information that is going to sentence him to death. And so he goes on. It is as you said. Nevertheless. It's like, I'm going to tell you more now. Nevertheless, I say to you, hereafter you will see the Son of God sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes saying, he has spoken blasphemy. What further need do we have of witness? Look, now you have heard his blasphemy. What do you think? They answered and said, He is deserving of death. Then they spat in his face and beat him. And others struck him with the palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy to us, Christ, who is the one who struck you? All right, so let's get into this a little bit. In the Gospels themselves, uh, the word Christos in Greek or in Hebrew, Mashiach, uh, so in English, we either Messiah or Christ. You know, Savior, the Anointed One, uh, is mentioned 60 times. I'm running out of fluids, all right. Um, oh, thanks, man. Anyway, you see, he starts humble of heart. It's awesome. <laughs> Servant's heart. Look. Now, what's interesting here is actually the term in which Jesus refers to himself the most is not Messiah. Now, I don't want you to be confused here. He refers to himself as Messiah. He is the Anointed One. He is the Christ. He is the Lamb of God. There is no doubt about it. In fact, he testifies to that right here. He does. But the term that he uses most often is the Son of Man. He refers to himself that way 81 times. 
That's pretty, it's actually pretty powerful. Now, why, why does he want to clarify here in Matthew 26? Nonetheless, or nevertheless, let me tell you more. I'm not just the Christ, I'm not just the Son of God, but I'm also the Son of Man. Why does he want to do this? Well, what's happening here is a Mashiach or a Messiah or a Christos uh, is a term that means anointed one. In the Hebrew Bible, Bible, for example, when they talk about Moses, they talk about that he is a Mashiach. He is an anointed one. He's not the Messiah, but he's likened unto Messiah, right? He, he provides an act. Uh, David has that terminology as well. And all throughout the centuries, but particularly at this time, the first century, there's a lot of people that are popping up in Judea. They're like, yeah, I am a Messiah. I'm a savior to a situation that we're going through. There's a lot of people that are popping up saying, like, I am a Messiah. I am going to help kick the Romans out. We're going to be a free, independent nation again. And so there's a lot of people that are coming around saying that. And so it's like, oh, here's another guy. Jesus is saying it. Now there's all these miracles that he's doing, which is pretty crazy. Some of the Romans believe that. Some of them did not. But it's like, oh, here's another guy that's saying he's the Messiah. Oh, here's another loony one. But no one. No one has dared, nor will dare, say, nevertheless, I am the Son of Man. And you'll see the Son of Man descending from the clouds. That in itself is like jaw-dropping. No one has ever uttered that kind of crazy talk. So it's like, okay, what is this thing, Son of Man? It's like... Well, I'm a son of a man. My dad's name is David, so I'm, I'm a son of a man. Everyone here is a son or a daughter of a man. So it's like, all right, you're a son of a man. Cool. Aren't we all? Uh, in Hebrew, son of man uh, is ben adam. Ben, son, adam, adam. We're all sons of Adam, like the original Adam, right? And in Hebrew, uh, when someone says ben adam, um, they're essentially meaning a human being. Actually, in Hebrew today, in modern Hebrew, if you want to talk about a human being, you'll be like a ben adam, one of the sons of Adam. But he doesn't just quite say that. We look below, it says ha ben adam. That thing right there, the arrow, that's a ha sound. One letter. One letter is going to get this guy crucified. The. That right there is is, is the Hebrew form of the. One letter or one article, one word, is going to be enough to get this guy. If he just says, I'm a human being, aren't we all? But he says, I am the, the son of man. And so this is going to change, this just changes the whole ball game. Uh, and so, actually, I don't know if there's any little kids here. It's, it's a little, it's, it's, it's a scene from the, from, from the trial. So, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe good to go get a drink of water real quick with mom. Naomi's not feeling too well, so she's upstairs. But it's a little... A little much for maybe a five-year-old, so. Yeah, why don't you just go out real quick, hon? Okay? And if we can uh, switch and put on the computer music, we're just going to, so you can see, like, what, what's really going on there. Okay? 
It's not that bad, but it's, it's enough for a five-year-old, you know? You can just switch to the uh, computer. There you go. Mary, you mind getting the lights for me in the back there? So, there it is. And um, if you go to Israel, you can stand in that room. So, just kind of the fullness of it, right? All right, what do we have here? I mean, so when you see it visually, like I, wanted to, I wanted you to see it visually, what's going on here. Is, you know, what's, 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 what's happening here? Why, why, why is all this, why, why is the priest so upset? You take a look at the scene when he announces that he is Ha-Ben-Adam, when he is the son of man. There's a couple of things that take place, right? The first thing is the high priest tears his clothes as in, like, in anger, in mourning. Second thing he does is now Jesus is charged with the charge of blasphemy. It's not like you're charged with being the Messiah and then you go to the crucifixion. You are charged with blasphemy. And what is blasphemy? It's blasphemy that he has just said. He dared to say that he is the son of man. And now he's going to be sentenced to death. You're like, man, like, like, what, what on earth could be like so bad that one article, one word could cause you now to be crucified in such a horrendous manner? To understand that, we've got to look to Daniel chapter 7. So if you have your word, why don't we open up to that? Uh, Daniel chapter 7, verse 9. Here we have Daniel, the prophet, who has a vision of the throne room of God. And when he's in the throne room of God, he sees the Ancient of Days. Verse 9 of chapter 7. I, Daniel, watched till thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. 
His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. And fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousands of thousands ministered him. Ten thousands times ten thousands stood before him. The court was seated and the book was opened. So what we have here is uh, going back. Daniel is, is brought up into a heavenly vision. And when he's there, there's a bunch of things that are going on. There's a description of the Ancient of Days, which is referred to as, as the Father. Right? His hair is as pure, as, and, and pure wool and white. There's fire in the Ancient of Days' eyes. The, the, the idea of, 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 of zeal and holiness. And Daniel is actually in the throne room, room of God. Okay? We have that, which sets the stage for now verse 13. I, Daniel, was watching in the night visions, and behold, one, like the Son of Man, coming with clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before me. And then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. So what we have here is this. In Daniel 7, when he now goes up to another vision, what does he now secondly seize? The second time up there, pretty much in the same kind of vision, he sees the throne room of God where the Ancient of Days is there, and there's tens of thousands of people worshiping him. And then what happens here is the Son of Man is in the throne room of God with the Father. And He's there. And it says that the Father has given the Son of Man all glory, all dominion, all authority, that have an everlasting kingdom, and all of the nations of the earth shall worship at His feet. It's setting up the divine nature of the Son of Man who is Jesus. Now, in the context of the first century and what is going on there, the high priest knows what he is saying. This guy is saying he's not just a Messiah. He's saying that he is a representation of the Son of Man in Daniel chapter 7. The one who is God himself. Who's setting himself up to be worshipped. This guy from Nazareth. Ah, and that's when he rips off his clothes and sentences him to death for blasphemy because of that accusation. See, the way it works here is this. Jesus had to die to be the atonement for your sins. That is like a theological truth. But the leadership sent him to death, not for claiming to be the Messiah, but rather for claiming to be the Son of Man. There's tons of Messiahs going around, but this guy is saying he's the Son of Man. It's like, well, what's, what's, so, what's so crazy about this? I mean, he's saying that he is the one that is going to be worshipped and have an everlasting kingdom who is on par and with and the same as God? The high priest knows all of this. 2,000 years later, when we're reading it, we may not understand it, right? And that's why the whole part of the, the sermon series, is that when he's saying this, he's making a complete connection to Daniel 7. And that's what's going to issue for him to be crucified. Now, the priest knows that what he's setting up here is that this man is saying that he is the one that's going to descend from the clouds. 
He is the one that has the authority, the power, the glory, the dominion, the might. Authority. Mark chapter 2, but all over the place. Jesus says that he has the authority to forgive sins. People get upset at that. We know he has authority. But I, I'm telling you, like, it's just another way to look at the Messiah. It's another way to just grow in your revelation and understanding of him. Because Mark 2 talks about he has the authority to, 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 to save our, our, our souls and our sins. And that's something awesome that we should be thinking about and we should be thankful for, no doubt. But I'm telling you, 81 times he's referring to himself as the Son of Man. Daniel 7, Matthew 24, Matthew 26, and half the book of Revelation is discussing how the Son of Man is going to descend from heaven. And he's going to set himself up and create a righteous kingdom where all of the nations will worship him. There is actually so much attention, if not even more attention, actually placed on that in Revelation. I'm not negating the first revelation that he's the Messiah. Thank you. I have access to heavenly places now. I have, my soul is saved. But Lord, I want to grow in the full revelation of who you are. Who are you really as the Son of Man? See, I don't want to ruffle feathers, but he's not just the Messiah. He is the Messiah. It's awesome. But he's not just the Messiah. He's more. He's also the Son of Man. And my question for you, I guess it's going to be a little bit of a shorter message here, but that's okay. If the worship team will come on down, we'll see what the Holy Spirit does. Worship team's always like, well, we never get your like, punchline. I'm like, all right, just listen to it. Because <laughs> they can't hear it well up there. My, my question for you, and when, I'll, I'll, I'll do a dramatic pause, because all the time when they come up, everyone's like... And I do, too. I, like, I have, like, super ADD. So he's not just the Messiah. He is the Messiah, which is amazing, but he's not just that. He's also the Son of Man. And so my question for you is, do you know Jesus solely as the Messiah? Do you only know him like that? Or do you also know him as the Son of Man? The one who's given all authority, all power, all dominion, all glory, that shall be worshipped for all of eternity by all of the nations of the earth. Wow. He's one who is, sits in heavenly places next to the throne of the Father, interceding on your behalf. Do we understand that character of his nature? Or do we just see him as a little babe in a manger? Or do you just see him on a cross that's, that's being bled for you, which is a very powerful expression? But he's been, since the beginning of time, at the foundation of the earth. He's been hanging out next to the Father for all of that time. And he chose to come down to earth. And then he ascended back into the throne room of God again. This is not no, no small, small thing to just glance over like, I'm saved and I received the blood of the Lamb and he's my Messiah and all this kind of stuff. When Daniel sees the Son of Man in the clouds in the throne room, I purposely left it out in verse 15 of 7. He says that he is, he is afraid. He's afraid of the power and the glory and the fire that is burning in their eyes. 
He's shaken to the core. He's been to the throne room of God. And that one who's in the throne room of God has come down as a humble babe to pour himself out as a drink offering. The Father sent the Messiah to save you. But the title, the title, the title and the position of Son of God is one who has been sent and will be coming to be worshipped. A Messiah comes to serve, a Son of Man is there to be glorified and worshipped. He's one and the same. But they're different roles. And I just want to encourage you coming out of last week's message is don't just see Him as the one who is on the cross that did something for you. It's powerful. It's powerful. We should not negate it. But you have to get in our minds and our spirits that He has ascended into heavenly places and He's descending one day. And He's one who is to be worshipped in holiness. So as I said, He came from the throne room and He returned there to intercede for you. But He's coming back riding on those clouds. Closing up, we're going to turn to Hebrews chapter 1. The writer of Hebrews, most likely Paul, got it. Chapter 1, verse 1. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, he has in these days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than even they. What is worthy to get Jesus crucified is not that I'm here to pay for atonement. What gets him crucified is that the leadership, the priests, those who are honored, those who are revered, could not possibly fathom that this man, this carpenter from Nazareth, could be the Son of Man. He who is in heavenly places, who is to be worshipped and adored. He is the express image of the Godhead. He is the express image of heavenly things. And he came down. And he wants to have relationship with us. And he wants to direct our lives. And so I just want to encourage us with this revelation is that we need to make the Son of Man Lord with authority. I've been around enough to, 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 to have seen an expression where the church looks to Jesus as a Messiah who is here to serve, 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 serve my wants, my needs, and my ideas. That's good. 
That's sacrilegious. Messiah came to seal the deal, who saved you, and he served you in that manner. But he is the Son of Man. Who's in the very throne room of God. So, what do we do? One day he's going to descend again. But I'm telling you that when we enter into worship, we don't have to wait for him to descend. We can ascend into heavenly places. In prayer, you can ascend into heavenly places. And last week I had this powerful expression of worship and teaching on worship and stirring the pot to like, your worship matters. And I just want to encourage us that with the revelation of the Son of Man, we have the ability to ascend into heavenly places because of the blood of the Lamb to give back power and glory and dominion and authority in our lives to the Son of Man. And when we worship and when we pray, His Spirit falls and descends in the tabernacle. And when, he's, when, when his spirit descends on the tabernacle, what do you do? Are you thinking about the football game? Are you thinking about your tummy that's, that's, that's aching a little bit? Are you, are you thinking about where you have to go? When the glory comes down in worship and in prayer, you're in the throne room of God in a, in a spiritual sense, and, and he's there sitting at the right hand throne of the Father as the Son of Man. Father, I just pray that this would be a, a quicker teaching on the understanding that you came to serve. But it's now also time for us to serve you. You descended to earth, but it's, it's now time for us to ascend to your throne and to give you praise and to give you worship and to give you glory. To give you all authority and lordship in our life. That you know, you're no longer a, a, just a babe. And you're no longer a lamb that was on the cross, but you were one who took on the mantle and took on the calling. Father, I pray that we would be a generation that sees you as a Messiah, but also as the Son of Man. Yeah, I agree. One with fire in his eyes, zealous and jealous for his bride. A son of man who is sitting in heavenly places, formed at the foundations of the earth. Father, I pray that there would be a, a spirit that is released in our hearts to come to your throne room like Daniel and be there in awe and reverence to worship your holiness. Yes, Lord. What's so beautiful is we're able to do that because of His love. Because of His grace. Because of He being the Christ, the Mashiach, the Messiah. If you don't mind, why don't we just stand? We're close out the teaching for today. And we're going to have some special refreshments downstairs. In celebration of the Ronaldos. But I just want to encourage you right now to just meditate on these things.
that Jesus declaring that he is Messiah is not actually revolutionary enough for the leadership to have him be sentenced to death. But the statement that he is the Son of God sitting in heavenly places, and that disturbs the establishment. And Father, we just want to put you back into that rightful place. Back into that place of the throne room in our hearts. Back, back into that place of worship. Back in that place with the, the living creatures and the elders. We want it to be a, be a place in our heart and in our midst where we worship you. We fall on our knees in awe of your beauty and your might. That the Ancient of Days sent the Son of Man to die for us. But now he gets to be enthroned in heavenly places again. Amen? Amen. If you have to go, I totally understand. A little longer service, maybe, for some of us. Like I said, we'll have refreshments downstairs. But I just encourage you right now to, if you're being pulled and led, to just meditate on these things. That we just stay a little longer in His presence and allow this word to resonate inside of you. Have a wonderful week.